I was, I was watching to see if uh, Pastor Luke was going to go out with the kids because I knew he said he was so excited about the Easter egg hunt. And I said to my son, I said, that's the advantage of being short like Pastor Luke. You can like sneak in there and hunt the eggs like I would never get away with that. So, <laughs> so it's, it's good to be with you um, this morning. Uh, I've been here several times. We've only been to this building, I think, once, the other building. Uh, we were there a number of times, and uh, so I recognize uh, many of you, and many of you recognized me this morning when you were uh, coming in greeting us, so it's good to be back with you. I always have to tease Todd because he only ever invites me to share when he's not here because evidently like, it's just really painful to endure, and he doesn't want to, uh, to have to be here. But no, seriously, I'm glad that he and Becky have the chance to, to be away and uh, to be on vacation, have some time together. He's probably listening online or will later, so I have to be careful what I say. I've got to remember that now that everything is on Facebook Live, it'll come back to get you. Um, so Luke will probably send me hate mail on Messenger this week for that. I don't know. But uh, anyway, New Hope has been supporting uh, our family as missionaries since 2015. Uh, we're very grateful for your prayers, for your encouragement and for your financial support uh, of our ministry. I know that a number of you may, may not have met us before. You're not as familiar with our ministry. Others of you are. So I want to briefly uh, introduce uh, who we are, what we do in our ministry, update you a little bit on that, and then we're going to be spending some time in the Lord's Word uh, this morning together. So uh, my wife, Laurel, and I have been married for 22 years. Uh, you can see our family on the screen up there. Uh, my son, John, is a junior in high school our daughter, Rose, is in eighth grade, and I've been in full-time ministry for 27 years. The first 17 of that, uh, I was pastoring, and then for the past almost 10 years, my wife and I have been on staff with Crew or Campus Crusade. Uh, the first assignment that we had was through Family Life, a ministry of Crew that is devoted uh, fully to helping couples focus on having godly marriages and families. We do that, obviously, through sharing the gospel of Christ and the impact that that can have, not only on your life, but on your family, on your marriage, uh, as you're parenting. Uh, so we were excited to do that. And in almost 10 years on staff, uh, we have trained thousands of couples, not only here in Northeast Ohio, but all around the country, how to do marriage ministry, uh, how to lead marriage small groups, how to do marriage events, how to start marriage ministries in their church, and through uh, all the folks that we've trained, um, thousands of couples, thousands of people have been impacted by that. It's been very exciting. One thing that I do want to share in particular a little bit with you, and I think I shared it last time I was here, uh, but uh, it's continued to move forward since then, is the, the prison marriage events that we do. And if you've heard that before, you might be shaking your head. If you've not heard that before, you're going, did he just say marriage events in prison? Because uh, that's kind of an unthinkable idea if you've never heard it or never thought about it before. Uh, that's actually how I responded when I was first asked that question uh, back at Belmont Correctional Facility down in southeastern Ohio. I was sitting in the chaplain's office and he asked me, have you ever thought about doing a marriage event in a prison? And I said, no, I, I've never thought about it. I'm not even sure how to wrap my head around what you just said. How would you do that? Because you have inmates who are incarcerated here. You have spouses who live many, many times hours away, uh, single parents now trying to hold the family together, trying to work, trying to do all that stuff. How would you bring those people together to do a marriage event? And over the, the coming weeks and months, I was asked that question several more times by several more people unrelated to the first person who asked me that. So they, they weren't like, I thought they were like trying to like team up on me and convince me, but none of them knew that anybody else had ever asked me that. So obviously 
I recognized that as one of the things where God was kind of tapping me on the shoulder saying, hey, I've, I've got this idea. I want you to really think and pray about how to do this. So if you fast forward then from 2015 to 2017, February of 2017, Laurel and I found ourselves at Grafton Correctional up in Lorraine County. Uh, there's a picture that Luke is going to put on the screen here. We were together that day up at uh, Grafton with 16 couples doing the very first marriage event in a prison uh, that we had ever done. We used the Art of Marriage event, by the way, which I know Todd just showed uh, some of you, I think a couple of weeks ago, he was telling me in the, the marriage encounter thing that you were doing here that he used part of that. That's what we use when we go into prison is the Art of Marriage event by Family Life. And spouses are able to come together for an eight-hour period, usually on a Saturday. So the wives come in with us about nine o'clock in the morning, and uh, we spend a a day with them, like you see in the picture there, from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m., walking them through all the biblical principles of marriage and family and and the impact that having Christ at the center of their life is going to make. And at that particular event there with those 16 couples, at the end of the day, there were 13 people who had committed their lives to following Christ, to, to have a relationship with him, to make him the center of their lives. And, and as people wrote at the end of the day on their evaluations, the impact that that event had on them, it was unbelievable. And so as Laurel and I walked out of the prison that day, we agreed that that event was the most impactful thing that we had ever been a part of in, in all of our years and all the years of ministry uh, that we had done. So we agreed that if we ever have the opportunity to do something like that again, we would jump at the chance to go back to prison and to do that. So since that day in February of 2017, there have been a total of 18 more marriage events that have taken place in prisons, uh, 14 more at different prisons across Ohio, three events that have taken place in the state of Texas, and one event that took place out in Washington state back in 2019. Um, and if it hadn't been for COVID, which we're all too familiar with, right? So prisons are, are shut down uh, to, to volunteers and, and people like myself. So I, I tell people all the time that I'm locked out of prison and they think that's funny. Uh, we don't think it's funny. We, we want to get back in. Like we keep asking, when are you going to let us back in? Because we want to do this. So if it hadn't been for COVID in uh, 2020, we were anticipating at least 18 more events that would have taken place last year. Uh, We were able to do 10 events, by the way, in 2020, from the beginning of January until the beginning or middle of March. There were 10 events that took place here in Ohio. So we're excited about that, but there would have been at least 18 more in Ohio, several in Texas. Uh, We were on our way to Florida last March to do an event that got canceled, and it was likely that we may have been in Georgia, Colorado, and Arizona last year had we not been uh, locked out. So only God knows the future impact of this ministry Um, we are looking forward to to getting back in prison as soon as possible. Um, But one thing that we are actually working on, we we got an assignment in February of 2020, just before everything began to all come unraveled and COVID began to shut down. uh, We had gotten a new assignment to be part of the prison ministry team of crew, specifically to do these marriage events in prison. So we were very, very excited about that particular assignment to kind of run more specifically with doing this one thing all around the country and training people um, to do that. So one thing that we are working on currently in prisons is we are uh, in the beginning stages of putting together some video stuff that will be used in the maximum security Ohio State Penitentiary over near Youngstown. And so we're very excited about that. I have a couple people who are working with me uh, to begin recording some videos. They have a closed circuit TV system in the maximum security prisons 
so the guys can watch things that are pre-recorded and, and loaded onto channels on their TVs they can watch. So they have, the state of Ohio actually called me and said, we would like to give you a channel on the TV. Can you record some stuff that we could load on there uh, that the men could go through and we could help them in that way? So we're very excited to, uh, to be working on and doing that. So we'll try to keep you posted on, on, what, uh, on what happens with that. Uh, if you'll go ahead and queue up that video, Luke, I do want to show you just a short three-minute video that's from our prison team of crews. So you'll see us as well as others on our team. But it gives you just a little glimpse of prison ministry and what we get to do. And then after that, we're going to jump into the sermon uh, this morning. So if you go ahead and roll that video. You know, I really wish more people knew what we do as the prison ministry of crew. Because when I found out about it, I was like, this is clearly not just for the inmate. This is for me, too. When I first learned about going into prison, I thought, who, me? I've never had a speeding ticket. Why am I in prison? Literally, because God put me there. This is a group of men and women who have given their lives to see God transform those in our nation's prisons and jails where once they had been rejected by society. We found ourselves in prison to do a prison marriage event. And as we walked out that day after the event, we were in utter amazement and awe because it was one of the most meaningful, one of the most impactful things we had ever done in over 25 years of ministry. God meets people in brokenness and it's true. And prison has a lot of brokenness. They just need a fresh start, a new beginning. That's what we are able to offer them through the gospel of Jesus Christ and through the prison ministry team. The Matthew 25, 34 to 36 passage ends with these words. I was in prison and you came to me. These words literally took on new meaning for us in 1998. Well, that was 22 years ago and we are still serving in prison ministry. The prison ministry of crew Honestly, it's been around longer than I've been alive. I've been in prison ministry for over 40 years with crew. I'm past retirement age, but I see no reason to quit now. They do not need to be convinced that they're sinful. And so you really start from this point of, I know my own brokenness. What can Jesus do about that? Does he still want me? Will he still have me? I give them an opportunity to accept his love and forgiveness. And I want you to be able to have deep roots so that you understand, here's why I believe what I believe. And then from there, I want you to go and do that for somebody else. Helping men grow in God's word and be prepared to share it with other people. We're taking back ground for the kingdom of God. At this point in our ministry, there's very few things that we would rather do than to be in prison doing marriage events with inmates and their spouses. There's something about being able to bring spiritual freedom to people who are physically incarcerated. It almost feels like you're getting away with something, like skipping class. <laughs> I get to do what Jesus did. Jesus was accused of being friend of sinners, and I get to do the same thing and watch God change lives. Concrete walls, gates, fences, barbed wire, None of that can stop the work of God. So obviously you can sense a little bit of the excitement of the other people who work in prison ministry. Many of them for decades. We're just fairly new, but we're already hooked and we love getting in there. So pray that we can get back there uh, soon. 
to begin getting these marriage events scheduled and, and doing that in prison. So after the service, Laurel and I will be back at the table in the foyer if you have questions, if you want to stop by to chat. Uh, we have some prayer magnets there if you want to pick one up and stick it on your fridge so you can be praying for us. We'd appreciate that. But I'd like us to take the rest of our time together this morning to look at God's Word. Um, so if you have your Bible with you, I was encouraged to see all the Bibles in the air a few minutes ago that you're carrying those. But even if you're doing it on your phone app or whatever, that's fine too. Uh, if you'll turn with me to Mark chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 35 through 41. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. Uh, in this passage, uh, the disciples find themselves in an unexpected situation that is out of their control and beyond their ability to solve. So as you're turning there to Mark chapter 4, let me ask you a question. When, when your life seems like it's totally out of control, where do you uh, turn to? What do you do uh, during a time like that? So during this past year, I've already shared a little bit with you that we found ourselves in a difficult situation because of COVID and the ministry assignment that we had just been given to, to really pull out all the stops and just run with doing marriage events in prisons got shut down. So we found ourselves in a situation like that that was beyond our control. It was, it was frustrating. It was difficult uh, many times throughout the year to try to figure out, you know, why can we not do uh, what, what it is that we're supposed to do? God has handed us this assignment. He knew that we weren't going to be able to do it, right? Why, why did he open this door and then kind of say, oh, never mind, you can't, you can't do this? Um, also, at the same time, uh, myself and my daughter both have chronic uh, pain health issues that we've been struggling with. Uh, for a, a long period of time. And it's another one of those things that, to be honest with you, it, it's out of our control. And it's, it's something that, you know, if, if we could solve it, if we could figure it out, we would, we've already done so, but we can't figure it out. We don't know. Uh, all the doctor's visits, all the tests have still not revealed what the problem is yet. So um, I don't know what situation you may be facing or have faced or maybe even will face in the coming days, but there are lots of situations in our lives where we are out of control where we can't solve them, where we can't figure them out. We have to decide what are we going to do during those times. So let's go to this passage uh, and read it together this morning. And then we're going to look at some things here. Mark chapter four, verses 35 uh, through 41. Scripture says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. He was already in the boat. So they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm arose. High waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water. Kind of like the carport out here, right? It's nearly full of water. <laughs> we were talking about that. They said they think there's a, a pipe broke or something somewhere. But anyway, so couldn't, couldn't avoid that one too. Uh, so the boat was nearly full of water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Frantically, they woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you even care that we are going to drown? When he woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, quiet down. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith in me? And they were filled with awe and said among themselves, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? So as we start reading the passage here, it would appear to us that it was a, a pretty normal day, a pretty good day. Um, Jesus has been teaching for a long time to large crowds of people, as he typically did throughout the Gospels. Nothing new or unusual there. In fact, earlier in, in the chapter, if we were to rewind back to the early part of Mark chapter 4, we would be told there that the crowds were pressing in and were so, uh, so large and that Jesus actually got on a boat and put 
stretched out a little bit into the water so that he could teach from there while the people were gathered on the shore to, to listen. Uh, no doubt, after the end of a very long day like this, everybody's tired, right? Jesus is tired. The disciples are tired. Um, and it's, it's the end of a good day, but it's the end of a long day as well, and they're physically tired. So we're told here in verse 35 that Jesus turns to his disciples and he tells them that they should get into the boat with him and they're going to go across the lake to the other side. So still nothing really unusual at this point. The disciples, many of them have been fishermen. And so they are used to going out onto the lake at night in, in the boat. So nothing uh, really unusual there for them. But then in verse 37, as we read the story here, this is where things begin to turn. Things begin to change rather quickly. And we're told that a great windstorm comes up almost out of nowhere. And we're told that the waves begin coming in and, and filling the boat until it's almost full of water. Now, the Sea of Galilee, where this is taking place, is very similar in many ways to Lake Erie. So because we live near there, some of you will relate to, to some of these things. The, the Sea of Galilee is just a little bit deeper than Lake Erie is, but both lakes, uh, by comparison, are fairly shallow, which is why as, as the wind comes across the lake, it creates very big waves and storms come up uh, rather quickly, rather fiercely. And so you may hear on the, on the news or on the TV or read on uh, the internet that there's, you know, small craft advisories and there's different things up on Lake Erie. And if you've ever been on Lake Erie or you're going to go out on Lake Erie, you kind of know that you need to check it out before you head up there uh, because there can be uh, big, big waves and things going on. Even a day, you know, where it's nice and calm here, it's not nice and calm necessarily on Lake Erie. So you, you check out the current conditions, you check out the forecast and you decide, okay, is this going to be a good day uh, to go up there? Uh, we, our family has been involved for many years with Camp Patmos, which is over on Kelly's Island. And so to get there, you drive up to Lakeside Marblehead and then you get on a ferry and you go about 30 minutes across to Kelly's Island. So uh, on a nice day, it's a fairly enjoyable ride across the lake. But I remember one particular day several years ago where uh, we got on the ferry and it, it was kind of rocking from side to side, you know, from the moment that you got on. And we get out in the middle and waves are kind of breaking onto the ferry and running across the deck. And you got your windshield wipers on on your car just to be able to kind of see what's going on. And you're thinking, I don't really know if I want to be on this ferry today, you know, and I'm just hoping we're going to get across to Kelly's Island. But you got to remember that that's a huge ferry that's got cars and trucks and RVs on it. This was a small fishing boat that they were in. So they're they're in a similar condition, but on a smaller boat. Um, and it's a very frightening uh, thing there. They didn't have the National Weather Service, so they couldn't listen to the forecast. Uh, when they got in trouble, they didn't have the Coast Guard to call for help like we would have. So very, very different, very frightening uh, situation. And the disciples had no doubt done everything that they knew to do. Uh, they had probably already done everything that they, they had done in the past that maybe helped them to get out of a situation like this because they've got experience with being out on the Sea of Galilee, much like somebody who goes on Lake Erie all the time is experienced with that. They're ready. They kind of know what to do. But, but they find themselves caught in a situation that's different, that is be out of their, out of their control, that they can't fix. And so they have to decide uh, what they're going to do. So uh, you've got to remember, though, that the disciples are, are not alone because Jesus is with them, right? We read in verse 38 here uh, that, that Jesus is with them. We're told about his activity and what he's doing at this particular moment. He's in the back of the boat asleep on a cushion, right? And you're probably thinking, now, how in the world could he possibly be asleep? In the middle of what's going on, in the middle of this big storm, the boat is filling with water. He's got to be getting wet. You know, how could he possibly be laying back there sleeping at that particular moment. 
And I'm not really sure because scripture doesn't tell us. Now, I, I'm guessing that Jesus is, is at peace. He's got nothing to really worry about, right? Like they are. Uh, so it reminds me of another time that Laurel and I were up on Lake Erie uh, and a storm came up. Uh, we had decided to go out for a couple of days on a large sailboat with some friends of ours. And uh, we, um, Keith, who was the captain of the boat, had been sailing for well over 40 years. And he invited us to go on the boat. We thought that sounded like fun. So we went up there. And we went out with them, and the first day we kind of head out of the Cedar Point Marina across Lake Erie, and he's you know, giving different instructions and preparing us for some different things. Like, you know, when he says, come about, you have to get down because it means that the, the sail is coming about, and if you're not down, it's going to hit you and knock you out of the boat, and the whole thing isn't going to end well. So he's explaining different things like this to us, and, you know, we're having a good time. Uh, we felt very confident with Keith as our captain because we knew Keith had a lot of experience, and Evidently, he felt fairly comfortable and confident that we were doing okay too, because late in the afternoon, he said to us, uh, hey, I was going to get a mooring ball uh, up at one of the islands and be, be in the marina for the night, but I'm thinking about maybe just anchoring out, where you just drop anchor off of one of the islands and we can just, you know, kind of stay all night out there off of one of the islands. What would you guys think about that? And, you know, we thought, well, that sounds like fun. You know, we've never done this before, so let's, let's try that. The weather was supposed to be good, and so it sounded like a fun adventure. So we said, yeah, we're up for that. So we stayed up kind of late that night talking and laughing and telling stories. And so finally, by the time it was time to go to bed, we were pretty tired. And we, we went down underneath into our cabin and we went to bed and, you know, the, the waves were kind of gently rocking and we, you know, we fell asleep. We slept great all night long. Best night of sleep we've probably ever had in our lives. So in the morning we woke up and we come out of the berth and we come up, you know, to the, the top of, above the, uh, the water there. And, and Keith, is sitting there. He looks kind of exhausted. He looks really worried. Like we're thinking, huh, what's wrong with Keith? So he says, man, I'm so sorry. He said, did you guys get any sleep at all last night? And we said, well, yeah, we, I mean, we slept great. I don't know if we've ever slept better. And he said, are you serious? Are you kidding? We said, no, it was great. So he starts to tell us what had gone on that night. And in the middle of the night, a, a bad storm had come up. So Keith said, first of all, I had to go up and I had to pull up the anchor. And he said, it's, it's this big chain. It's like right by your heads. He's like, there's no way you'd ever sleep. Dude. He goes, I had to pull that up. And he goes, and then I had to try to sail the boat around the island to the other side, you know, through the storm, these big waves. He was afraid the waves were going to push the boat up onto the, the big rocks on that side of the island. So he had to sail all the way around to get some safety on the other side. And, and he couldn't believe that we had possibly slept through the whole thing. So as I'm reading this story here, and I'm thinking the same thing, like how could anybody possibly be asleep. I'm thinking, I don't know, but we did it that night on that storm upon Lake Erie. Now we weren't getting wet, thankfully, but we slept through the whole thing. So that's what Jesus is doing there in, in the middle of this storm. The disciples are convinced that they're about to die and, and Jesus is sleeping through the whole thing. So the disciples, you know, wake him up, they shake him and, and they're yelling at him, hey, don't you care that we're about to drown here? Why don't you do something? Um, so then what happens next in verse 39 is absolutely amazing we're told that Jesus rebukes the wind and says to the sea, quiet down. And we're told that everything gets quiet. Everything gets calm immediately. Um, you know, there's no wind. There's no waves. Uh, it, it's amazing. But, but the disciples, you know, you would think, right, that they'd be like slapping him high fives and they'd be like celebrating what's going on. And, and yet they're, they're not doing that. And Jesus says to them in verse 40, he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith in me? Now, see, Jesus has been teaching with the disciples. He's been training them. He's been preparing them for ministry. They've experienced him doing a lot of things. 
And as he's been teaching these parables, he's been explaining to them the meaning of the parables, and yet they still don't fully understand the meaning of these things that he's trying to, to tell them. Uh, he, they've been witnessing some amazing things that he's doing, and yet they're still struggling in their faith, and they still don't fully understand who Jesus is. In fact, in verse 41, we read their response that they say to each other. They say, who is this man that even the winds and the waves would obey him? So they're questioning, you know, I I know it's Jesus, but I mean, who is, who is this guy? Um, It's kind of like, you know, when, when one of your spouse or kids or somebody does something really unusual and kind of out of character and you're like, what have, what have you done? with my husband? What are you doing with my kids? You know, because they're doing something unusual. I mean, this is not unusual. And yet they're asking, who, who is this guy that's doing this? Um, now, what you have to remember is that today we have the advantage of the entire scripture. We have this whole book that records all these events, all these things that, that uh, God can do. Uh, and we have generations of people that have gone before us, some of them great godly men and women that, that have given uh, accounts of things that God has done. So we, we have a lot more experience and knowledge than they did. And yet, if we're honest, how many times are we kind of the same way where we're surprised when God does something, when he kind of bails us out of a, a situation or he shows up just at the, the last moment, you know, to, to help with something. And we're kind of surprised. And yet we, we ought, if anybody ought to know, we ought to know, right? God's faithful. He does these things. So they don't have that. Um, and so they're kind of questioning here a little bit. Um, you know, who, who is this guy that he, that he could do something like this? So the truth is, you know, if things are going well and we kind of think we can handle things on our own, we're, you know, we're kind of like, okay, we, we got this. But then you get in the middle of a storm, you get over your head like they are here in this situation, and we're like, okay, somebody needs to step in and help. God, can you, can you help me here with this particular situation? Um, in John 14, verse 27, Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. This verse, this specific verse has been a huge encouragement and a help to me throughout this past year, as we have struggled with being locked out of prisons for 11 months now. Uh, It's given me encouragement and peace when we've struggled through the chronic health issues that our family's dealing with without any answers. Um, So that's what Jesus wants to do. And it is a, a gift. He says, I'm giving you this gift of peace of mind and heart so that you don't have to be afraid. So you don't have to, you know, be like the disciples here, panic and going, man, I think we're going to die. I don't think we're going to make it through this. Uh, we don't have to do that when we know Christ. Uh, and just as Jesus was with the disciples in their boat, he's with us in our boat. Now it might be a different boat, right? I've, I've heard people through COVID say, well, man, we're all in the same boat. And I'm thinking, No, you know, some of you are on great big sailboats like my friend Keith had. Others of you are on like these little tiny rowboats or inflatable kayaks. I mean, it's not necessarily the same boat, but we all go through storms. Even those might be different. But regardless of your boat, regardless of your storm, uh, Jesus is with you. And in Matthew 13, verse 8, it says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. So the same Jesus that was in their boat, who's in our boat, he's going to be in in your boat again, you know, next week or next year when you go through something difficult again. And so you can rest in that promise. It's the same Jesus and he's going to help you every time that you call out to him. So I want to take just a couple of minutes this morning to remind you of a couple things that you can apply in your life. If you're in a storm or if you're not in a storm, you, you may soon find yourself in a storm. And so you'll need to know these things. So three different things this morning in this passage that I want you to be able to apply and remember. The first one is to remember the promises of Jesus. 
We need to remember the promises of Jesus. What did Jesus say to the disciples in verse 35 when we start the story here? He says to them, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, I don't know if that's a promise as much as just a statement, but, you know, Jesus didn't say to them, hey, why don't we start out and just sort of see where we get? Let's at least get to the middle, you know, and then let's just take it from there and see what happens, you know. Or he didn't say, hey, let's head out in the, in the deepest part and then let's get caught in this big storm and see if we can make it through. You know, who, who's in? You know, who wants to go? I mean, he, he said to them, I think intentionally, let us cross to the other side of the lake. Now, he knows everything, so he knows they're going to get to the other side, right? Um, so when Jesus promises us things, in, in the middle of that, like sometimes we get out in the middle, right? Maybe to the middle of your marriage or to the middle of a, a difficult parenting situation or it, it's the middle of pregnancy or, you know, whatever it is. Like we get in the middle sometimes and we're like, oh man, this is so much harder than I thought it's going to be. I'm not sure I'm going to survive this because I feel like I'm in the middle of this storm and I feel like things are going down. I feel like I'm about to drown here. And in those particular times, it's so important to remember the promises of Jesus because this book is full of all kinds of promises of, of what he will do. And every one of the promises is true, and he will deliver every single time on the promises uh, that he makes. Promises like, I will never leave you or forsake you. I mean, that's just golden at a time like that. If you can remember and you can wrap your head around that, that Jesus is going to be with you. The second thing this morning, not only remembering the promises of Jesus, but we also need to remember the presence of Jesus. So we go back to verse 36. You know, where was Jesus in the middle of this storm? He was with them, right? He was in the boat. Um, and I, I got to wonder, you know, he, he's asleep back there and they're all obviously busy frantically. Like they're, they're bailing water. Like, I don't know what all they're doing. They're rowing. They're trying to, you know, get out of this. And I have to wonder, like, we're not told that he and they enlisted his help. Like, hey, Jesus, grab a grab a paddle here. Get, get a bucket. Start, you know, I'm wondering, like, did they remember that he was there? Like, at, at what point did they kind of go, wait a minute, you know, Jesus is sleeping. Let's see if he can help. Like, I don't know. But the truth is, I think sometimes in our life, like, you know, we'll paddle as hard as we can in the situation that we're in thinking, you know, I got to get myself out of this. But there's a point where we go, man, I don't I don't think I'm going to be able to do it, you know. And so then that's when we remember that Jesus is with us. But what if we remembered that earlier on? You know, we wouldn't have to go through some of the things that we go through. So uh, in, a, in a financial crisis or in a, a difficult situation at work or in a, in a relationship struggle that we're having, um, God is with us in those things. In fact, if we have a personal relationship with the Lord, we're told that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And so we're not alone at times like that when things get difficult. And then the third thing uh, that this brings us to this morning is to remember the power of Jesus. So not just the promises, not just his presence, but the power of Jesus. Jesus spoke in verse 30 to the winds and waves, and he just said these couple words, right? Quiet down, or in other translations, you know, peace be still. Something like that is what he said. And I'm thinking, you know, there have been times, you know, where maybe you're riding down the, the road in the car and the kids are in the back seat and, you know, it's, it's not going well back there, you know, and, and you say something like that, right? Would you just quiet down, you know, and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, right? They, they don't usually uh, respond quite as well as the wind and the waves did. I mean, like we're told like just silence, like everything stops here uh, when, when he says this to them. Uh, so he has the power to do these kinds of things. And throughout all of Scripture, when you read all these different things, you know, we're told many, many times 
that there is nothing impossible for God, right? With human beings, things are possible. With God, nothing is impossible. Uh, Mary was told that when the angel appears and says, you're going to have this child. And she says, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a virgin. And how could this happen? And that's what the angel says to her is with God, nothing is impossible. All throughout scripture, uh, we, we see that. So remembering the power of God and knowing that right before our very eyes, he can transform things and change things. Uh, at the very moments where we feel overwhelmed, where we feel like things are totally out of control, God will come through and rescue us. Uh, I've seen him do it countless times for me. I've seen him do it countless times uh, for others as well. So the truth is this morning that for those of us who have a personal relationship with Christ, uh, we have a heavenly father who will save us from the worst and fiercest storms that we will ever face. And because he is in control of everything, we can trust him when we're overwhelmed by life's problems and by life's storms. Maybe you're here this morning or maybe you're listening online this morning and, and you say, well, I don't know that I have a personal relationship with Christ. Uh, well, then quite literally, you, you are alone in the storm that you're facing because you don't have this relationship with the one that we're talking about who has the power to, to change and transform not only your life and your marriage, uh, but every situation that you'll go through. The good news this morning is that you can have that relationship. And, and just as Jesus rescued the disciples from this storm and from uh, they, they were convinced they were going to die, uh, you, you are dying and drowning in your sins and, and you're you're hopeless. I mean, that's that's what scripture would teach. That may be what you're experiencing this morning. If you don't know Christ, the good news is that you don't have to go through the rest of your life struggling alone. You can have that personal relationship with Christ. I would love to share that with you this morning. There's others here that would love to share that. Or if you're online, if you're listening, you know, drop something in the chat or send a message uh, to New Hope and someone will connect with you to let you know how you, how you can have that hope in Christ. Um, so this morning as we, uh, as we conclude here, I just want us to take a few minutes to, uh, to really reflect on these things, to spend a few minutes together. Uh, if you've got some music or something back there, Luke, that you can uh, play, I'm just going to uh, pray. And then I, as, as we have some music, whether you want to sing or just play something is fine. But I just want us to spend a few mo- moments together to consider these things this morning in, in whatever difficulty it is that you're going through. Maybe it is an, an, uh, a relationship issue. Maybe it's something in your marriage or with a kid or with somebody at work, or maybe it's financial or maybe it's a health crisis, whatever it may be to reflect on that this morning, to know that God is with you in that storm. And he wants to rescue you from that. He wants to, to snatch you out of that uh, thing that you're in. And, and sometimes, you know, it's easy to say, oh, God will just, you know, he'll just make everything better. You know, he'll just make everything good. Well, I've already shared with you, you know, we've been praying all year long. I'm still not back in prison, right? We still have chronic health issues. So it's not that everything always goes away, but there's a calmness and a stillness that he gives us that we can endure that, that we're going, okay, we're still caught in the middle of this storm that's going on. But Jesus' presence with us and the reminder that he's getting us through this and that he's reassuring us day in and day out and every moment of every day is so comforting as well. So don't don't misunderstand and say, well, I I prayed and I'm still in the middle of this storm. Yet so am I. But God is with me and his reassurance is so comforting as I go through this. And I'm going to get through it because of him. And I'm going to be alive at the other side when I come out of this because uh, he's going to sustain me. So let me pray this morning. And then take a few moments just to reflect and consider what this means for you, where you may be today. Father, thank you for this time this morning that we can join together. Thank you that we can remember the promises that you give us in your word. Uh, Your word that you have given to us, such a gift, is full of promises. It's full of truths 
that we can uh, we can take him to the bank because uh, if you've said it, uh, it's going to be it's going to happen just the way that you've said it's going to happen. But we thank you uh, for your presence. Uh, for those of us who know you, that you are with us, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. You're always right there with us, right beside us through everything that we go through. At times that we mistakenly feel alone, we are not alone because you are there. We thank you also that we can remember um, the power that you have, uh, that throughout Scripture, the amazing things that we see you do, you, you've brought dead people back to life. You've made blind people see. You've made deaf people to be able to hear. Uh, you, you have just done amazing things that are, are literally impossible. Even the virgin birth of Christ, how is that even possible? It's not impossible. It's not possible except through you who can do anything because nothing is impossible for you. So in the situations that we're facing, and I know that many may be here this morning that are saying, man, I'm just really discouraged and weighed down uh, because of what I'm going through right now. I just pray that you would give them hope this morning. If there is somebody within the sound of my voice this morning who doesn't know you, who says, man, I, I just feel like my life is out of control. I've tried everything I know to do. I've turned everywhere I can think of to turn. And yet it just seems like I feel emptier and more hopeless all the time. I pray this morning that they would turn to you, that they would allow you to, to save them, to snatch them uh, from the same certain death the disciples were facing physically, that you would save them uh, from their sin, from themselves this morning. Give them the hope that they need uh, to do life with you. So we just thank you for that this morning. We thank you that we can gather together to fellowship together, to encourage one another and to look at your word uh, so that we can be reminded of who you are and of what you want to do in our lives. We pray and ask all these things this morning in Jesus' name.